Hi, this is David Vincent, and I'm the superintendent of schools for the Wiley Independent School District, and I'm joined by my co-host, Amanda Martin. Hi, I am the director of counseling services in the Wiley Way, and welcome to the Achieving Kids podcast. This is a conversation featuring experts and subjects related to raising happy, successful children in today's world. On each broadcast, parent guests will join in and provide their perspective on current trends and issues our kids face in school, society, and at home. Our goal is to provide a better understanding of how the decisions we make help promote the best interests of our kids and community. We will tackle big subjects, entertain different viewpoints, but the focus will always be on equipping you with the strategies that will help them become achieving kids. Welcome to today's podcast, Moms of Kindergarten Students. This one's for you. We're going to prepare you and get your kid ready in the best possible way for kindergarten. And Amanda, we've got some really awesome guests. I would say quite possibly the greatest kindergarten teacher in the world from Hartman Elementary, Vicki Skipwith. You walk into her classroom and it's magic. Kids feel wonderful. Um, I feel like I just we want to sit down and spend a, a whole day with you. So, Vicki, welcome. We're glad you're here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And the original and most awesome elementary principal and now assistant superintendent, and he gives us all the advice, all the plans, and works with our parents as it relates to when issues come up, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, well, all the way through 12th grade. But Scott Wynn is here, and he's going to talk with us a lot about different things, but you're going to help us today with what we talk about with regard to kindergarten students coming in. Thank you, Dr. Vincent. Amanda, is there anything else that we need to do before we kick off this event? I think we just want to thank Miss Skipwith for doing her job because none of us are equipped to teach kindergarten. Yeah, <laughs> Scott has said never, ever volunteer to teach anything below Second grade. Don't go first or kinder. That's that's a rough age to, to walk into if you don't have the skills like a Miss Skip with. We are actually here at AT&T Stadium, and we're appreciative of Ian Halperin setting all this up for us. And we're going to greet, and we're going to meet, and we're going to talk to today's guest, Emily Jones-McCoy, actual a Red Raider. And she's an amazing person that has a lot of unique uh, talents and abilities. But we're going to talk to her about what she's experienced as a brand new kindergarten parent. So welcome, Emily. Yes, welcome, Emily. Emily Jones-McCoy is the dugout reporter for the Texas Rangers. So here is the reason that you were here. My wife and I both follow you on Twitter. And so we were in... in, Forgive the cursing, first of all. No, it wasn't (laughs) that. It's actually, you do a great job. But she was, uh, we were at dinner and she said, hey, you have got to read this because she was talking about kindergarten preparation and we hear a lot about that as superintendent as principals as counselors and teachers how you prepare and you know she gets emotional and thinks about how sweet it is and remembers when our kids have a ninth grader and a tenth grader not in kindergarten and they say that's an emotional time Mm -hmm. so you want to tell us a little bit about that tweet so for me like I've never been really a um like like I've liked certain stages and I've been honest about that. Like as a parent, um, like the 18 month old stage, I was like, get me out of this. Like the fact that you can, you are mobile, but you cannot communicate, but you grunt all the time. Like I am out on this stage. So for me, I was, I knew Henry was ready. We had bridged him. Uh, So he was going to be six years old by the time he started kindergarten. I felt really good about the preschool situation that we had. So I felt like he was ready. But when that time came, I didn't know if I was going to, 
to completely lose it or if I was going to just let him, you know, walk away. I didn't know how he was going to react. And I think that his reaction is how is how I reacted. So I think I was prepared for anything going in and then I'd let him lead me in whatever way it was. And so dropping him off that day, it was it was fantastic. Like it was great. He was eager, he was excited, he liked his teacher, he had a couple friends in class. I left there feeling so good. He, you know, had a great day and then I go pick him up and he's carrying the bear. The bear that you get for good behavior. And I lost it. I was like, oh my God. I was like, what is this? And he was like, I got the bear. It's for good behavior. And I was like, oh. And then I I was like, I had been fine all day. And then I totally lost it just because I thought I had all this anxiety. And I'm sure he did too. And then for him to get that bear. And then I felt sorry for like the other kids. I was like, oh my gosh, what about the other kids? Because I'm like, well, they can get it tomorrow. (laughs) There's only one winner. So I was so, at that moment, I was, that's the time when I got emotional. I was totally fine all day and then I saw him and like this sense of pride that he had on his face that he killed his first day and then he got the bear and I and then as a mother I was just over the moon and so um, it was a lot of emotions wrapped up into one day and then of course what transpired over the next nine months was a a completely different roller coaster but um, that that day was kind of a microcosm of what I could anticipate for the next nine months and it's what we want for every kid every mom to experience if they feel like they're loved the idea of reading and math is important, but it sort of even is in the background of the fact that they know someone cares about their baby. And that's one thing that Scott has talked a little bit about uh, relating to being a principal. So can you tell about the different experience where it didn't go so well? You know, I've had a lot of different experiences and I had a lot of mamas when they dropped off their babies, they were very sad. And a lot of the emotion, as you said as well, your child's going to read the emotion that you have come into the situation. And so some of those mamas, that as we, as we, we, we talked to them about making sure, hey, okay, you got to drop them off and then kind of leave. And we got, we always had a place for them. We always had a place in the library where they'd come in and get tissues and orange juice and donuts, make them feel better sure. about their experience and kind of give them some some ideas about what it's going to look like. And even for some of the mamas, I said, hey, give me your cell phone number. And what I did was at the middle of the day when their kids are on playground, they're smiling, they're having the best time. I'd take a picture and I'd send them a picture of their baby on playground having a great time. And that helped them make it to the end of the day, oh, that, that first day. that hugely helpful. It was. And you know, I just, a funny thing is um, one of my babies that I had in kindergarten just walked across the stage graduating this last week. And, uh, he said that he remembered it he, when he was when he hugged uh, Mr. Wynn and he said, "Yeah, they do. They remember that, don't yeah, they?" Yeah, and there's certain things I think that they cling to. In preschool, my little girl, there's a secretary that she likes, and if if I drop her off, because with my work schedule, I feel I get mom guilt sometimes. And so usually we do carpool line because that's the clean break. But then when I've been on the road for ten days and she wants me to walk her into school, it's hard to say no. And so we do that. But then we have the, of course, the you know the attachment that comes along with that and the harder release and all that. But there's a secretary at school that I'll say, well, Miss Kim will go check on you, and then Miss Kim will go check on her. So I, you know. I don't, I'm, we don't, we're not a house that's like super coddling and catering to our kids and all that kind of stuff, but also too, it's important. I think I've realized, especially over the last year that, that you really have to listen to your kids' emotions. And so it's, you can still be stern while still being sensitive. And that's been a hard line for me because we were, we're pretty, not strict household. I mean, we do we're not that way, but we're, I'm very big into not like everything's not unicorns and rainbows. Like there's some real life stuff that's going on that we need to start learning about at this age, but you don't have to learn about it all at this age. And so I think little things like that, and some kids need them more than others. So I, I'm, I don't, there, there, and that's such a balance both with parents. And I feel like with schools too, to, to, where you don't want to cater too much to kids and their every little need, but also too, you want to make them feel safe, especially in those early years. So when you talk about that, 
Ms. Skipwith, what's the right balance when you talk about the, the difference between, because it's a great point of trying to create some resilience and self-reliance and also thinking it's a kindergarten. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, we pride ourselves as kindergarten teachers that we want to start that very first day with their independence. You know, we want the mom to say by however hard it's going to be, and we understand those emotions are going to be there, but we want them to be independent on that first day of school, and it just builds it inside of them. So I think that's really important that it starts right there on that first day of school. And I think what I learned over you know, in the, just this whole parenting process, this is obviously my first go around with Henry as my oldest and that he, he's wired a lot like me. And I just wrote a blog about it, about having anxiety and I have a ton of it as an adult. And it started when I was young and I'm starting to see it. And I think kindergarten manifested it in him and brought it to the forefront because he is a perfectionist and he wants to do everything right. And if he doesn't get something like that, he feels like he's failed. And so he internalizes that and expects so much of himself. And so I was so appreciative of the way that our teachers, that his teacher handled that expectation of himself and tried to help him manage it. But that's another way that I'm trying to learn that balance because I've got to be sensitive. That, those are real feelings. That anxiety right. is real. I feel it at 40. Right. I can only imagine what it's like at six. And so I have to make him feel comfortable in it. But at the same time, I can't just placate to my whiny kid. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So it's, it's a hard balance as a parent. And I know it's got to be too, as educators who are charged with being one-on-one -on -one with those kids or 20-on-one -on with those kids or whatever the numbers are for eight hours a day. Right. You know what I mean? And so I rely so much on those people, on his teachers that are around him to, to give me that feedback and tell me, you know, what, how he's expressing himself there. Well, I have um, three boys and my last child is going into kindergarten next year. It's all been different. It's all been crazy. I'm way more nervous about this one than I was with the second one. But the first one, it was just so traumatic mentally because I had never done that before. And I think as first time kindergarten parents, you have no idea really what's going to happen or what to expect. Um, and so I was so grateful that his kindergarten teacher just like ushered him in and hugged us and ushered us out yeah. <laughs> quickly. But as a counselor, my very first time in an elementary school, um, it's the first day of school. Um, it's lunchtime. Kindergarten's in the lunchroom. They say all hands on deck because they need more people in there. But I'm like dumping trays. I'm opening ketchup packets. And those kindergarten teachers are like, stop. Uh, <laughs> Right. They can do that. They can dump the tray. They can get their fork. They can do all these things. So it was a good lesson for me um, to know that they do have a lot of skills and they do need to feel that pride that they can get that stuff done on their own. So when you're talking about the idea of what to do, are there things you've learned that would be you do differently? Yeah, I think so. I think in the beginning, because like I said before, we're we're not a we try not to be a coddling house. We we try to be, you know, life isn't always fair. Life isn't rainbows and unicorns, and there are, uh, you know, there are consequences for actions. There is punishment for things you do wrong. There are, you know, all of those things. But when you start to so, what started to happen with Henry is he was learning really, really quickly. And so he wanted to be challenged. And when those challenges came and he wasn't able to immediately succeed at those challenges, he lashed out in a certain way as far as it made him act in a very, very negative way. And so instead of saying, 
I just try, try, am trying to learn and still trying to learn as a parent how to manipulate those decisions, how to maneuver through, not manipulate, but how to maneuver through those decisions to where I'm still being a stern parent, but I'm also too being empathetic to feelings that are actually like, those are very real feelings that he's having. And so how to handle those as a parent. So I think maybe being a little more receptive to that early on, instead of saying, suck it up, buttercup, a little too much too early. Um, I think now there's a part of me that wishes I would have been a little, you know, a little more, had a little more give in there. And so we're still trying to find, figure that out, you know, as parents, as, and, you know, and his teacher talked to me about it and, um, and all those things. And so I, I see so much of myself and him. And so I know how I feel when I get anxious and then it breaks my heart to think about what he must feel like because he's six and he doesn't know how to handle it. So, um, it, so it's just a learning process. It's all a learning process, which I did not sign up for that as a parent. I know. Why, why are these things so hard? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and our, and our babies that are in kindergarten really struggle with verbal conversation about what they're feeling inside. So a lot of it comes out in play and how they play with their friends and how they play with their toys. And, and a lot of times as a principal of the building, when they come in, I, the counselor would come over and we'd get some things out and they would give them some things, draw a picture, uh, play with some of these toys. And you kind of see what they're feeling and kind of find out what's going on through what they're demonstrating, through what they're doing. And, so, and you get more answers that way. Uh, when they couldn't verbalize some of the things that are going on through those, through, through those situations. And that's a great point because we call him Henry Meathead because he, and he's not, he's a very kind and gentle soul, but like he gets very meaty at times. And so it's, that's why, I mean, that's why you guys do what you do because you're educated on these things. You're learned, you are taught to, to recognize these things in children. And so as parents, I feel like we're way less probably equipped to deal with that because we're not educated in that. I mean, I can tell you box scores and I can tell you about, you know, players and baseball and all that kind of stuff. But I can't, th those things, I, I, I'm not as prone to recognize those as quickly as you guys are. I'm and so either. those things are so important to be able to have that open line of communication between parents and educators and also too for parents to be willing to listen. Because I have so many friends who are so set on what their kids are and I see it, whether it's coming to my house or going to school and it's like I feel like that's the biggest disservice we do as parents is to not open our eyes to the fact that our kids can be a-holes sometimes like it's very it absolutely happen. I mean please and if you think your kid's not your head's buried in the sand because they all can be that way and I think if you can't listen to, to thoughtful thoughtful feedback not somebody who's being mean or whatever has an extra grind or a petty mom or dad or whatever but if you can't listen to thoughtful feedback about your child you you're really you're you're missing the boat you really are and you're doing your child a disservice um because that you're doing them no favors by by burying your head in the sand about about what the situation is going on not just in kindergarten but that leads to obviously way bigger things down the road yeah well you permit you promote huh if Do what? What you permit, you promote. For sure. And, and if Absolutely. That's the case. So, what would you would say as far as an advice you would give parents of first time kindergarten uh, kiddos and how they can handle the stress of what Emily's talking about? Sure. Um, well, I think communication, like you said, is. Of a, it's a must because you have to have that open line and and it also is on the teacher's point too they have to be willing to listen to you and listen to all of it and you have to communicate often about those kind of things uh, right when you see something happening you need to let that parent know and 
and I think sometimes parents are afraid to open up to teachers and say something because they think, oh, she's going to think this, she's going to feel this, she's going to treat my child differently. But all we want to, all we're there for is to help. I mean, everything we, everything that we do, we want to benefit that child. So I, I just say uh, communicate. Um, even if it's just at the ballpark, even if it's at, you know, outside of dismissal, just keep that open line of communication so you're not that person that they're afraid to walk up to and, you know, say something to. So. Yeah, and I feel like that's been crucial with, you know, I, I, I've wanted, to, you know, I've wanted to know. And I think, too, you know, communicating with Henry and trying to have those conversations about we had one in the car today I was dropping him off at uh, my mother-in-law's house and he I just started him on this uh, some kind like something that's supposed to help him sleep because I feel like that's where a lot of his anxiety comes from he doesn't sleep a lot he's worried about getting to school on time like it's all this stuff and so I was like hey you know what mommy started taking some medicine last night too to try to help me sleep how did, did yours work for you and how did yours work and um he was talked about how he slept this is how OCD is he was like I slept nine minutes later this morning than I did yesterday yes so I mean he's it's obviously and so I said well that's awesome I was like you know what I didn't wake up one time during the night so I was like maybe this is helping us this is awesome maybe we can start sleeping better and I was like you know, and we talk about like, you know, when you get that feeling in your stomach and you're worried and then his sister, who's like four and could give, I mean, <laughs> a rat about anything. And she, I mean, and she'll, she'll spout off. She'll like, Henry, where are your two tooths that you lost to the tooth fairy left? Like she's just completely out. And I'm like, God, I wish I had, I wish I had your yeah, attitude. Yeah. I just, I mean, like her personality is just, so anyway, it's just funny how they're totally wired differently, but we're trying to have those open dialogues too. I'm trying to get on his level and talk to him. Not, I mean, not like as his friend, but as someone who is, sure. can identify with his exact feelings that he's going through. And may, I want him to know that he's not alone and that this is not anything, you know, he's not crazy or weird or different for f having these feelings and that mommy has them too. Well, and Henry had a good first day, it sounds like, but there are some kindergartners, even if their parents are putting on the bravest face, yeah. are sobbing and scared right. and not wanting to leave. How long does that last in your professional judgment right. and what well, do you see in the classroom? it's funny because the parents will think, oh, no, they've been crying. I just know they've been crying for the past 30 minutes. <laughs> and truly it's not. It's about, it's a good two minutes when they see what, you know, is on the table or they see what their, their friends are doing or their new friends are doing. They just kind of jump right in. It really doesn't take that long. I, I've had kids that have just been throwing a fit because mom just left. And it, you really don't, you really don't pay attention to the child other than you're just right there close to them and they just kind of gradually just go to something. And like Scott said, I always try to take that picture of the first day of school because even though mom's like, oh, we've got this, you know, I'm, I'm gone, you're good. They still love to have that first day picture and it's like, yes, you know, they're not crying. They're yes, okay. <laughs> they ate their lunch. You know, we'll open our lunch boxes and say, look, mom, we ate our lunch. It's just those little bitty things that, right. that help, so. I love that. Wouldn't you say, though, it's tougher on moms than it is on dads? Because, I mean, I'm <laughs> you. I am that. Here's a heck of a big old bucket. I get over it, and I'll see you later, and we're going to see how this rolls. And I need my wife, Christy, who takes on everything to make sure that every, everyone's emotional well-being is great and stuff like that. It's harder for moms. Yeah, I think just because of the just the way we're wired, I mean, I think it's just our, our DNA. I think it's just – I mean – I, you don't hear a lot about dad guilt going to work. And I know that it exists, um, but it's just, 
it's just a different thing for moms. And, it, and it's not that way in every, it's not exclusive to moms. It's not that way in every household. But in the majority of the households that I've been around or pe- from people that I'm friends with whose moms work, they are they do feel that need to provide the emotional even when they can't be there in the physical. And so that that is not something I feel like with my husband, he's able to go to work. He is at work. He is in work. He is not from, you know, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. He is not that he's not thinking about us, but he's able to turn everything else off and he's able to work. And then when he gets home, he does a really good job about he leaves work at work and then he's in it. He's in it with our family. He's in it with our kids. And I think that's fantastic with I feel like with me and I speak for the vast majority of women I know, we don't ever turn that off. We don't ever turn that off. Even if we're working, I could be on a 10 day road trip and I it's not it's it never it never turns off. Um, I could be on a girl's trip in Napa and I'll turn it off for a little bit, (laughs) but you know, it's just those different situations. Um, that I just feel like we're just kind of wired different. And I don't think it's that way. My daddy raised my sister and I. And so I think probably with situations like that, it's probably different because he was our sole caretaker for, you know, a large part of our lives. And so he had to have that wiring kind of. So I don't ever want to say that dads don't feel that because I know they do. And you know what, as a matter of fact, you know, the guys I work with, Dave Raymond and CJ Nitkowski, who have small children at home, Dave talked about it the other day. Oh, and the clubhouse manager, uh, Brandon Boyd, he was like being gone on Mother's Day. And he was like, that stinks you're gone on Mother's Day. And I was like, yeah, it does. And he was like, but you know what? I would so much rather be gone on Father's Day. I feel worse being gone on Mother's Day when we're gone on Mother's Day because she's home and that's when I should be taking care of her. So, I mean, it happens with men too. It happens, you know, for sure. It's just a different, I I just think people are just wired differently. And I think just because of the the dynamic of careers um, involving men and women, it's just kind of the way it is. It is. Well, you know, Today's podcast is focused on moms. I'd love to say it's going to be focused on dads, but we primarily talk to moms. Most of the podcasts that we focus our efforts towards are towards moms, and that's what we're doing today. And I'm here with Vicki Skip with our kindergarten teacher extraordinaire and Scott Wynn, assistant superintendent, former elementary principal. Emily Jones McCoy is our expert kindergarten parent oh, and yes. if I, by expert you mean i've been through kindergarten one time and, as a mother survived. Then, and i survived then yes but yes. you bring up something that is so valid so important that being real and like miss skip was saying if you're not real and we don't know where your kid is we can't begin to help it from the school perspective and the earlier we know where your kid is and the earlier we can provide assistance the faster and the better and the more richer elementary school experience is going to be well and I think probably more than anything that's a that's so much a byproduct I feel like of social media as far as this it's I mean it's exhausting and I probably am too real sometimes I mean calling my kids a-holes on my blog or whatever I mean that's probably it's probably a little over the top but um but I feel like they are sometimes. So I, I don't have a whole lot of, I just don't have it in me to, to put on some sort of fake show. Like I, um, I'm a mess. I am figuring life out at every turn, being a wife, being a mother, being a good friend, being a good daughter. I, I, all of the, I'm still figuring everything out. I've got nothing figured out. And so I feel like when we try to pretend like everything is perfect and I've, I look at me, I have this perfect job and I have a perfect family and we're, you know, I've got a boy and a girl and a husband and everything is great. It's not, I mean, it's not, I mean, marriage is hard. Life is hard. Work is hard. Balancing it all is hard. Being a mother is hard. All of it is hard. It's not easy. And so I think if you can 
be real with yourself about it. And if you can kind of own who you are, like I own that I'm this like crazy OCD mouth vomiting word vomiting mess. Like, I feel like that it, it helps me because if nothing else, I can at least be comfortable in my own skin. Um, and that I kind of put it all out there. So really there's nothing to uncover. There's nothing to hide. There's nothing for anyone else to reveal about me because it's just kind of all out there in this like big blob of social media, you know, TV appearances, whatever. It's all just kind of out there. And I think for me, I did have so much anxiety early on in my career um, that I felt like that it was necessary for me to kind of put it out there before I really think as a defense mechanism before anyone else brought it out that let me just, I'm just going to put it all out. And then that way you can pick it apart how you wish, but I'm already comfortable having it out there. And so I feel like it's important with that, as, with our families and with our kids um, as well, because I don't want, you know, I don't want anyone to think, first of all, I think it's boring to be perfect and I don't really know anyone who is. And so, you know, I feel like the more real that you can be, the better off everyone is because we can all deal in honesty and we can all come from a place of honesty. But I feel like with social media now, everyone wants to have that perception, you know, like the hashtag, like living my best life. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so exhausted. Like what I'm, it's above average. Like I'm living like, my okay, above average <laughs> life. Like it's so above average. Like I just can't. It's too much for the best life. Like I, all the time, like there's so many best lives out there. So it's just like, I just feel like there's just this expectation for everything to be picture perfect and look at us and our perfect outfits and our, I just don't, I just, it's gross to me. And I just can't, I just don't have it in me. I don't even have it in me to put together like one ridiculously like perfect, like a, like a look at this perfect picture, perfect post. Like I just don't even have it in me. Um, and so that's just the only way I know how to operate. And it might be out of like, it's, I think it's a coping mechanism of how I deal with myself, my anxiety, my personality is just to kind of throw out there what it is and try to be self-deprecating and, um, and hopefully identifiable just being in the position that I am there and that I'm in that are, there are certain, some people that are insane that kind of look at me and want to like, I don't know, uh, be like, be like you no be a so like or identify right mm -hmm. like so they want to feel like they can identify mm -hmm. and I'm like oh please you can, boy <laughs> can you identify trust me so I don't know that's just part of I wish it I wish it could be that way for more people but I also too realize that people aren't always comfortable in that regard and that's their prerogative too um but I think when it comes to your kids you really do have to be you have to kind of put all that aside and like, let's not pretend like with our kids, let's, let's, let's operate in, in full disclosure there, not on social media, but with the people who matter most. Well, and I feel like my, I resonate with that because after first year of kindergarten with the oldest, and then two years later, this middle kid going to kindergarten, and now the last kid going to kindergarten, they're all such completely different personalities that I don't even know how to deal with all of it. So the last one, when Copeland going, I was telling Miss Skipwith earlier, I was like, I'm really hoping that y'all teach him to read and know things because right. he knows nothing. He just pretends he spells words. He doesn't want to read a book or I just try to turn on PBS Super Y and just hope that he learns something. <laughs> sure. And so, um, but I'm just like, but you know, my oldest kid, kid did know how to read things going in. And sure. I don't know what I did differently. I'm like, those pre-K teachers really need to step, right. step it up. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
well, yeah, but it's so different. That you've done already, though. You talk to him. You have conversations him, yeah. with yeah. him. His older brothers communicate with him. You have experiences with him. So what he's going to bring to the table when he gets to kindergarten, he's going to have this rich bag that he just brings on in. And when he's ready, when he's when his brain is ready and mature enough, he's going to just start learning, and it's just going to be amazing. I can't wait to talk to you in February because I really think <laughs> like, that's when. Like, oh my when, gosh, he read a word. Yeah, I think I think he's really gonna really gonna show you. Some so what stuff, are you asking? So. What do you like to tell parents? Like, what are some things you would love to for their kids to experience this summer before kindergarten? Or what what do you want them to come in with, academically or socially or emotionally? What what are some good tips? The academics really isn't as important to me as a rich vocabulary and experiences um, I, and talking to your children. A lot of things that I would say that I would love for you to do is not gonna be probably what most teachers say. A lot of things that I would love for you to do is uh, play games with them, uh, teach them taking turns, teach them, uh, like Hi-Ho Cheerio has that fine motor skill where they have to develop that before they can even write. So they need to have that uh, grasp down, uh, subitizing, which is a buzzword that we What's use, that? but <laughs> my favorite it's where word. you roll a dice and you automatically know that that's a five. Okay. Oh. And so playing Subitize. those board games, it's like, that is perfect because when they come in and we roll those dice, they're like, oh, that's a six. But if you haven't done that, they're like one, two. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, you should know, you should know those kind of things. Uh, and that's so important for counting on. It's so important for addition and subtraction. Uh, those kinds of things are really important to me. You spending time uh, working on things that really aren't school. It, I, I would love for you to put a pencil and a pair of scissors in their hand, but if you work on building those fine motor skills, when they pick up that pencil and those pair of scissors, they're going to have that down. Um, so those are, those are some of them. You know, one thing that I would always tell parents, if your child truly is more anxious than most, um, come in during the summers, play with the playground, go to the playground, uh, talk to the campus. They'll, they'll let you come tour, see classrooms, those type things. And let the principal and teacher know things about your child. What do they like to do? Is it race cars? Is it whatever it is their interest is? You know, when that first day comes and mama leaves and, and I can walk down there and say, you know, I can, I can break, break that anxiety by talking about something they really love and just enjoy doing. And it keeps them from focusing on what they're anxious about and get them back into the classroom, get them back going again. And those are things, there's just keys that we need to know uh, so we can help your child have a great first day on day one and great great day 180 as well so do you guys have one tip as we kind of wrap this up about what you would have a kindergarten parent or a kindergarten student arrive with and experience um to know that school's going to be great uh there's going to be some bad days there's going to be some good days but overall it's just going to be great uh, I want them to, I want them to leave my classroom thinking that this is the most awesome place in the world, that this is where we come and we want to, uh, this is where we know all of these things and it's just so exciting and it, it, I mean, it's just the beginning of education. If we set that foundation there at the kindergarten, I, you know, that's what, that's where I believe that it starts and it's going to propel them on to the future. 
You know, mine is being invested, you know, getting those parents invested in your school, in your school, because this is their home for the next five or six years. And so getting them invested, and I always call them my new recruits because that's my new PTA moms and I'm going to get them involved in PTA. They're going to be involved in what we do. I've got so many things I can get a parent involved in, whether it's a carnival, whether it's a teacher appreciation, whatever it is, I'm going to want to get these parents invested and involved because the more they're up there, the more comfortable they're going to feel about their child being a part of our school and a part of our school district. Oh, I know. I never thought I'd be a PTA mom, and I done signed up already. <laughs> I had a meeting this yeah. morning. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So you wrote a children's book, A Place for Everyone. And tell us the motivation behind that, or was there one? So, no, there absolutely was. So when I started seeing that my children were learning lessons from books that we were reading together at bedtime, I thought, wow, that like that this message and this moral of this story is resonate, resonating with them. And so I thought, how valuable would it be and how much more profound would that impact be on my kids if I wrote the book and if I wrote their names and their friends' names as the characters and that the, then that message would really hit home. And we have, you know, it's very, one of the greatest lessons my daddy ever taught me and my mom too, um, was to, to be inclusive and to be accepting, um, and to be kind. And so that above all else, I want my children to be kind. I just want them to be kind. And so when I was, when I left, when I, my parent, after my parents divorced, we lived with my mom for a while. Then we moved with my dad to Plainview. I went to a school called College Hill Elementary, which is where the book is set. And I remember being terrified that day, the first day I went into that new school. And there, I just remember being so nervous and afraid and everyone was wonderful and they were so kind and they were so good. And I remember a couple of weeks after I started school, my dad asked me, you know, how are things going? And and I talked about how great everyone was and how nice everyone was and how, you know, they, how they, everyone's been so welcoming. And this was the four, in the fourth grade. And so he, my daddy told me, he said, don't you ever forget the way that, that they made you feel. And he said, and you make sure that if someone else is in that spot, that you make them feel the same way. You don't ever want to make someone feel it, it, any other way than the way that you felt you have felt the last couple of weeks being the new kid at school. And so with that lesson, I thought not just for the new kids in school, but just for those who are struggling to find kind of find their place. And so the message of the book is, is to be inclusive and to be accepting, but also to be brave enough to walk into new groups and to, to not just surround yourself with people that look the same as you, but to make yourself a part of people who challenge you to think differently. And I like to think that those lessons that I learned in Plainview, Texas are huge part of me going in to the Rangers clubhouse every day for the last 15 years and being around guys who come from every socioeconomic background you can think of, uh, countries from, you know, the Dominican Republic to North Korea to Japan to, I mean, to everywhere. And so I feel like that ability for me to feel so comfortable around dudes who are so vastly different from me and come from such different backgrounds from me, I feel like that started at that early age. And I feel like that's, it's something that's so important to me, especially in this day and age of, you know, bullying and, um, you know, just kids not feeling, you know, not feeling good about themselves that I want, I want my kids to be the ones that, that lift up those other kids and that, that scoop those other kids up. And, you know, and if they're ever that kid, I want them to be scooped up by somebody else. And so it's basically all just about being kind, being inclusive and being accepting and also being brave, um, and standing up for, for people. I'm already working on a second one. Um, this has been the, such a fun project for me. It's completely out of my wheelhouse. It's totally out of my comfort zone and I was terrified to do it, but I'm so glad that I did. 
It's awesome. A place for everyone. It's really cool. So now I'm going to ask you're the last person to speak. What advice would you give a parent? And then I'm going to ask you the second question. What would a Texas Ranger tell a kid to do in the first day of school? Okay. So the my biggest advice would be to um, let your kids know you expect their best and their hardest, but try to keep your expectations there especially so, and I'm, I see it all the time in sports and you see it all the time, you know, in, in school. And I want my kid, I want Henry and Hattie to, I want them to be the very best that they can be in, in whatever they choose to do. But I also want to embrace their choices. I want to embrace how they want to live this life and the path that they want to take. And it may look totally different than I thought, uh, you know, whenever they were born or whenever they were five, it may be different when they're whatever. I just want to let them lead me down their path. And I want to be there to help them. I don't want to put expectations on them because I feel like that's just not fair, whether it be in sports or academics or whatever it is. I want them to try their hardest and I want them to be kind, but I don't want my expectations um, to ever factor into into their psyche or into their thought process at all. So that would be minus to, especially in this day and age of competitiveness and look at my kid, he's the best and he's the smartest and he's the fastest and he can throw the hardest and all that kind of stuff. It's so easy for parents to get wrapped up in that and for that to, even if it's not consciously, subconsciously to spill over into your, into your children. And so that would be, and it's a, it's hard. It's not, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, but that would be my biggest piece of advice that I am also, as I say out loud, preaching <laughs> to myself to do. Um, and as far as I'm trying to think, it depends on which Texas Ranger you asked, <laughs> <laughs> what they would the do good ones. the first day of kindergarten. Um, but I think the biggest, I've been so lucky, especially the last, I mean, the first five or so years I was here, there was some stinkers but the last 10 years or so I've been so lucky to be with such really ridiculously good human beings in that clubhouse that have treated me really 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 well and I think they're good dudes and I think that they would I think they would just say be yourself um, you know be yourself embrace who that is uh, and as hard as that is it's easy for me to say at 40 you know to word vomit and put it all out there that this is who I am. It's, it's a little bit harder when you're younger, but I feel like if, if you can, if they would say that if you can have fun, uh, and be yourself, that everything will kind of, uh, will kind of take, take over from there. And it, it's fact, it's funny. I'll mention in particular jerks and profar who'd been scuffling for a while. This was a few weeks ago and I saw a sign hanging in his locker and it said, um, don't try too hard, just have fun and everything else will take care of itself. And I asked him about that sign and he said he was watching a movie about Pele and that he saw that quote, he wrote it out and he printed it out and hung it in his locker. And so I think that's probably a good piece of advice for all of us. Don't, don't try too hard. Let the game come to you. Um, you know, don't try too hard to, to, to fit in. Don't try too hard to, you know, make, you know, to learn everything so fast. Just don't try too hard. Let just let the game come to you. Have fun and everything else will take care of itself. Emily Jones McCoy, you've done an amazing job. Thank you. And you're, you're a good sweet. mama. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you Thank really you. Are. I appreciate it. I can it. tell you I'm you trying. love your babies. I'm trying. Moms, dads, especially moms, this one's for you. We hope that when your kids come to our schools that you know above anything else we love your babies and we're going to take good care of them they're going to have a great first day and we're going to take good care of you the Wally way 